Thank you guys for all your questions. That was amazing. Awesome. Okay, I uh, I have a um, a brief sermonion for us, and uh, starting off with there, there is something actually better than something by your side, and I think we've basically confirmed this through all our conversations this morning. Conflicts are growth trying to happen. Or, and I appreciate Mike bringing this up at the very beginning today, awkwardness may be growth trying to happen. Heck, boredom just maybe might be some growth trying to slowly ooze out of your being. Okay, so, and again, I, I, we've got it as Christians, I think this stuff is so easy for us to understand because look at who we follow. Well, we follow a person who went through profound, uni- I mean, a universal scale level of injustice and pain. But man, he had a purpose to it, right? And as Christians, I think that's why we have an advantage. We can be more curious about discomfort because of the Lord that we're following and learning from. And, um, but like I said, our spiritual formation started a long time ago. And so we're still figuring that out. How do I function that way? Um, the spouse by your side is nothing compared to the spirit inside of you. Which is why, again, I said earlier, uh, you can go to counseling, you can learn imago therapy, and your marriage can get a lot better. But you're not going to experience the transformation without understanding the spirit is more powerful than any therapeutic technique. But it's not either or. Okay, I'm trying to say... Yes, and. Okay, both and. We need both. Um, In the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, it said from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, I love this word because it's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, Stop sinning, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying this kingdom of heaven is near, but the only way that you're going to be able to understand it or comprehend it is to learn to think in a very different way. You're going to have to think in a way that's different than your parents. You're going to have to think in some ways that are profoundly different than your culture or your education. Right? It's a profound revolution in just how you think. This is the Greek word metanoete, and two of the translations of this word for repentance, I love this. Think about how you have been thinking. What? Think about how you have been thinking. And this is why the stuff, the practicals that we talked about yesterday, even just getting ready for a dialogue, you've got to start thinking about how you've been thinking about that issue. And then listen to your spouse send her thing and you mirroring it back. Guess what? It's trying to help you think about how you've been thinking about her or about him. Get a thought about your thoughts. A thought beyond your thoughts. 
Man, we need some help with that one. How do I get thoughts beyond my thoughts? I thought all my thoughts were my thoughts. Well, they are, but a lot of them are messy and sticky and connected to your 90 and all that. Stuff. So, you know, it's complicated. We are we desperately need some help. Uh, now, I I don't know how many of you are familiar, but I am a huge um, admirer of the 12 step program. And most people don't understand this. In fact, most people in AA don't even understand this. But in 1935, when Alcoholics Anonymous was being formed, its original mission was to make a Christian. If we can take an alcoholic and turn him into a Christian, he will no longer drink alcohol. And, and that, that truly was their purpose and their ambition the first few years. And, and honestly, it was going really well. Um, unfortunately, what happened was, and many people would agree with me on this one, Alcoholics Anonymous, the original text in the books, it, first of all, all of it is rooted in Scripture. In fact, some of the early meetings of AA were actually called the James Club because the book of James is one of the books that they used most often in their meetings. So, unfortunately, AA has evolved a long way from the Bible, but those foundational thoughts and convictions are there. I want to share one section of it from you. This is from, from that, the book, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Remember that you are dealing with alcohol. Cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for you. But there is one who has all power, That one is God. You must find him now. Half measures will avail you nothing. You stand at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon. Does that sound Christian to you? (laughs) A little bit. Sounds a little Christian. But here's the thing. Someone really smart said the universal addiction of mankind is every person's addiction to their own way of thinking. So let's twist this a little bit. Remember that you are dealing with the way that you think. And the way that you think is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Man, when I read that, man, sign me up. And Man, Jesus makes so much sense. Jesus, thank you for asking me to repent. Because, <laughs> man, my thinking is usually my problem. And this is why I appreciate so many people even today already mentioning this word curiosity. Curiosity is hope that you may get to some thoughts that you haven't been addicted to, which may be listening to your spouse or or hearing it in a different way or or thinking about things in a different way. This is beautiful. Here's what Jesus said near the end of his ministry. But the advocate, what's an advocate? Somebody that fights for you. It's somebody who's on your side. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
is going to teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, do we all know where that spirit is? I'll give you a hint. It's not by your side. It's inside you. But it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about peace. Sometimes I don't care about peace. Forget peace. A couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was dealing with some stuff that was making me so angry. And unfortunately, I didn't make an appointment with my wife. It had, no, it had nothing to do with her. But there was this issue, and I was so mad. And I was telling my wife, and she's like, David, you're, you're really mad. <laughs> and then, thankfully, she observed that. Like, I get it. Okay, this is a little too much, Dave. But man, I started reflecting on it. I prayed and journaled the next morning about it. And I realized, this is madness. Because I realized, I actually love being angry. I love it. Man, look at, the, look at all the benefits. It gives me energy. It gives me clarity. They're absolutely wrong, and I'm clearly right, so that's clarity. Right? And then, it gives me direction. I'm out of here. I'm going to quit. There's my direction. I mean, it's just, it's everything. But I was, as I reflected, I realized, wow, all those benefits. And I realized, even, even as I was talking to my safe wife about how mad I was, I realized how much I was enjoying kissing peace goodbye. I don't want peace. I want to feel something. I want clarity, direction, whatever. So, anyway, I'm just saying, that dilemma is how easily all of us forget that there's a spirit inside of you that's trying to remind you. It's trying to teach you. And that's powerful than anything we're going to get on a Sunday service. Yeah. All right. This is our daily intimate spiritual formation life. Every moment spirit led. OK. Um, speaking of changing the way that you think, I have to share a story. When I was a young an uh, in, intern as a marriage and family therapist, you have to have a supervisor that oversees all the work that you do just to train you and all that kind of stuff. And the gentleman that I got the honor to work with was a 75 year old Jewish psychologist. And all I knew was that he had years of experience and he I'd heard some great things about him. And I also knew that about four years prior to me working with him, his wife of about 35 years had passed away. Now, I knew that, but I didn't know, you know, I'm not going to bring this up. That's a personal thing. I'm just here to get trained, all that kind of stuff. But after a few months, we started developing a relationship. And at one point, we actually started talking about it. And I just said, you know, I, that, that had to be really hard. You know, what, what was that like for you? And he said, you know, the first several months after her death, it was horrible. But then some friends of mine uh, invited me to a Seder, the, the Jewish meal at Passover. And he said, you know, look, I, I'm not a real, I'm not a good Jewish person. I don't practice a lot. And, you know, my friends, I think they, they were just thinking about me. And they invited me to this thing. And I don't really know why I went, but I went. 
But in the Seder, there's a moment where they pause and they sing this song called Dayenu. And the way it's translated is the word in the Hebrew actually means it would have been enough. It's the best way to translate it. It would have been enough. And they sing this song, and as they sang the song, and I'm going to show you some of the verses of it right now, but I'm going to share some of the verses, and I'm going to tell you how this impacted him. And think about this. Jews have been singing this for thousands of years, people. Every year, singing this stuff. Look at this. If God had brought us out of Egypt and had not carried out judgments against them, Dayenu, it would have been enough. If he had given us their wealth and had not split the sea for us. Let's all say it. Dayenu, it would have been enough. Okay, that, now just, can you visualize that one? Can you imagine that story? They get all this plunder and they're marching out of, Israel, out of Egypt and they get all the way to the Red Sea and God just decides, let's just end the story right here. <laughs> what? It's like torment. Are you kidding me? Is that a joke? But they're sitting there going, you know what? Even if he hadn't split in the sea and saved us, Dayenu, it would have been enough. If he had split the sea for us and had not taken us through it on dry land. I mean, the mockery is even getting worse now. So he's going to split the sea, but there's no way to go through it. Like, this is amazing, but we can't do anything. I mean, this is crazy. If he hadn't done that, Dayenu, let's all say it, Dayenu, it would have been enough. If he had drowned our oppressors in it and had not supplied our needs in the desert for 40 years, Dayenu, it would have been enough. So, his takeaway was, I got to be married to my wife for 35 years. And when I heard that song and I realized that story, I realized that story in the scriptures was a story from my life. Because if I had been able to be married to my wife for one year, Dayenu, it would have been enough. I think this is a powerful tool for repentance. How to think differently about our thoughts. How to think differently about our circumstances. How do you Dayenu your health? Hey, God, if this certain part of my body never heals. Dayenu. It would have been enough. If I. Only had the chance to study the Bible, realize God's amazing plan, realize that I was in darkness and I was able to get baptized and forgiven of all my sins. And if that was it, Dayenu, it would have been enough. But wow, God, thank you 
Thank you for every day that you give me after that moment when you saved me. Thank you for every day. Thank you for every year. Day into your job. You know, God, if you never change my boss, Or if my boss never changes me, whatever. So, Dayenu, it would have been enough. Just, just figure out something you don't like about your job and apply this prayer. Dayenu. It would have been enough. And the next, obviously, this is why we're here. We are extremely blessed. I love everyone's feedback today. I appreciate so much how all of you just embraced and, and heard some practical things yesterday. But if, if you didn't have another day to be married, it would have been enough. Some of you had kids. You know, if I was able to be a dad for one day, Everything else is just a bonus. But I think this mindset, this changing the way that we think can can help us understand how overwhelming God's grace is. The, The person sitting next to you is a grace God has given you. Everything he has given us. Is, is applied to Dayenu. Um, so I'm going to say a prayer right now for the communion. And I think this is a, a beautiful thought to have in our minds as we think about how Jesus came into this life to give us this hope. He came into this world to be grace in your life. To transform the way that you think. To transform the way that you work through conflict and navigate things. All right, let's pray. And by the way, before we do this, does everyone have a cup with the uh, wafer? We're all good? Excellent. Dayenu. We had enough. All right, this is great. All right. Uh, and last thought here, guys. I'm so sorry. Here's one little takeaway. Two takeaways. Have spirit thoughts. About your thoughts. Okay? So figure out what you're thinking and then go further. Let the Spirit give you thoughts about your thoughts. And then just practice this Dayenu thing in any aspect of your life where you're having trouble. Try to find that Dayenu thought about that difficulty. All right, let's pray. Dear God Heaven, we are so grateful to be your sons and your daughters. We are overwhelmed by how abundantly you love us. And thank you so much for everything Jesus did, every step that he took on this earth, every word that he uttered in order to us have this chance, this hope. And God, as we take this bread, we remember that. We remember his life. And Father, we thank you 
for every drop of your beloved son's blood. And every drop was telling every one of us how value, how valued we are, how important we are, how cherished we are by you. And we take that cup to remember that blood. We love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.